Well, this series we're starting today called Foodies, Food for Your Soul. I've titled today's message, True Worship. True Worship. Your pastor is a foodie. I like to eat a lot all the time. I just like food. Matter of fact, when I take my wife out on the date, the thing that I'm looking forward to most is where we're going to eat. When we go on vacation, it doesn't matter where we go, don't really care sometimes. What I really care about is where we go eat. I like to eat, and I like all types of food. I like Mexican food, I like seafood, I like soul food, I like Chinese food, I like, man, you name it, I like fast food, I like, I got a sweet tooth, and I believe bacon makes everything better. Come on, somebody. How are you gonna order a cheeseburger with no bacon on it? What's wrong with you? The Lord rebuke you. Get that bacon on there. Come on, somebody. Bacon makes everything better. And I'm curious, by a clap, by a shout, by a raised hand, would you let me know what your favorite food is? I'm curious what your favorite food is. How many of you would say Mexican food is your favorite? Where are the Mexican lovers? All right. And I know why. I know why. You're like me. You like the free chips and that sopapilla you get at the end for free. Come on, somebody. Bring me two of them sopapillas. <laughs> Love that Mexican food. How many of you would say seafood is your favorite? Where are my seafood lovers? All right. Hey, 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 hey. You can't go twice. Stop that. You get one vote. One vote. How many would say Italian food is your favorite? Where are my Italian? All right, all six of you, all right. How many of you love soul food? Where about soul food? All right, all right. How many of you like the Chinese, the Chinese buffet? Come on, somebody. I will tear up a Chinese buffet. I will tear it up. Crab ragoon with that, come on, that cream cheese in it. I will tear up a buffet. Me and Golden Corrales, we're friends. Okay, how many of you would say that you like good old just steak and potatoes? You just want my steak? All right, two of you. All right, all right. How many of you, how many of you love fast food? You love hamburgers, french fries. Where are my french fries and hamburger people? Food, food, food. And the interesting thing is this. The Bible has a lot to say about food. Matter of fact, it was rather interesting to me as I've been preparing for this series how much the Bible talks about food. And so over the next four weeks, because I could go many, many, many weeks longer because there's so much in the Bible about food, but just over the next four weeks, we're going to get some food for our soul by studying some very interesting passages of scripture that have food that talk about food and bring some spiritual and practical truth and application to your life. And today we're going to begin by looking at some of the Old Testament sacrifices. You see, the key way that people worship God, the, one of the key ways people were forgiven of their sins in the Old Testament was by sacrificing animals and food. And I, I want to give you today, just really quickly, I want to give you a quick Old Testament overview, a quick Old Testament overview. And I, I want to begin by giving you the top five Old Testament sacrifices, the top five Old Testament sacrifices. The, the, the first is this, the burnt offering. The burnt offering. And we're going to look at Leviticus right now. I know some of you love the Bible. You love to read the Bible. But when it get to, you get to Leviticus, you're like, and please let me hurry up and get past this Jesus. 
But even in Leviticus, there are spiritual truths that will help your life. The burnt offering, Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 3 says, if the offering is a burnt offering from the herd, you are to offer a male without defect. You must present it at the entrance of the tent of meeting so that it will be acceptable to the Lord. Now, the purpose of the burnt offering was for general atonement or for forgiveness for the forgiveness of sin. It was also an expression of devotion to God. And, and the burnt offering, it, 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 it would also it would include things like a, a bull or a sheep or a goat or a dove or a pigeon. The, the animal, whenever they have the burnt offering, the animal had to be whole. It had to be, the, the entire animal had to be burnt, cooked overnight. Y'all didn't know that God created the first smoker. You didn't know that, did you, huh? Yeah, back in the Old Testament, they were doing ribs and brisket. Oh, yes, they were, right in your Bible. The, the, the second top Old Testament sacrifice was the grain offering. The grain offering, you find it in Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, when anyone brings a grain offering to the Lord, their offering is to be of the finest flour. They are to pour olive oil on it, put incense on it, and take it to Aaron's sons, the priest. The priest shall take a handful of flour and oil together with all the incense and burn this as a memorial portion on the altar, a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. And the purpose of the grain offering was a voluntary expression of devotion to God. It was recognizing God's goodness and his providence. And generally, they presented bread to God. It was a bread sacrifice. The bread could either be baked or grilled. Sometimes it was fried or roasted and at times even made into some type of cereal. Yes, in the Bible, they had honey Oat Cheerios. Come on, somebody. Uh-huh. They had them honey nut Cheerios in the Bible. Back in the day when I was growing up, my favorite cereal was Captain Crunch. Where my Captain Crunch lovers at? Oh, me and Captain Crunch were friends, church. But now I'm in pushing my mid-40s. It's, it's fiber one for breakfast. Amen. That's a whole nother sermon. I don't have time to unpack that for you today. Just keep living. But unlike the burnt offering, only a portion of the offering was to be burnt. The, the remainder of the rem- remainder of the grain offering was was given to the priest for them to eat. Then the third is the fellowship offering. The fellowship. Now hang with me now. I'm going somewhere with this that's going to apply to your life. The fellowship offering was also called the peace offering. And in Leviticus chapter 7 and verse 11 it says, these are the regulations for the fellowship offering. Anyone may present to the Lord. If they offer it as an expression of thanks, thankfulness, then along with this thank offering, they are to offer thick loaves made without yeast and with olive oil mixed in. Then loaves, thin loaves made without yeast and brushed with oil and thick loaves of the finest flour, well kneaded and with oil mixed in. And, and if you skip down three verses later, verse 15 says, the meat of their fellowship offering of thanksgiving must be eaten on the day it was offered. They must leave none of it till morning. Now, now the fellowship offering included the Thanksgiving offering. It included the wave offering. It included the free will offering. And the offerings could be cattle or sheep or a goat. It could be male or female, but it had to be without defect. And if it was a Thanksgiving offering, it could be some type of bread, which I read to you just a moment ago, just variety of breads. And the purpose of the fellowship offering was to consecrate a meal between two parties in the presence of God. 
and they would share this meal together in fellowship and in peace. And what they were doing is they were committing to each other's future prosperity, the fellowship offering. Then there's the sin offering. Leviticus chapter four and verse two says, say to the Israelites, when anyone sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, if the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people, he must bring to the Lord a young bull without defect as a sin offering for the sin he has committed. And this offering was sometimes seen as an offering of atonement for unintentional sin. And it contained elements of the, of the burnt offering and even of the fellowship offering. And, and the primary purpose of this offering was not for the atonement of sin. It was actually to purify oneself to reenter the presence of God, especially referring to the priest who have sent unintentionally and needed to be, be cleansed and purified so they could reenter the presence of God and make more sacrifices. And the last one I want to point out to you is the guilt offering. The guilt offering, Leviticus chapter 5 and verse 15 says, when anyone is unfaithful to the Lord by sinning unintentionally in regard to any of the Lord's holy things, they are to bring to the Lord as a penalty a ram from the flock, one without defect and of, 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 of the proper value in silver according to the sanctuary shekel. It is a guilt offering. Now this is different from our English word guilt that, that we use. And our word oftentimes is referring to someone's conscience, but, but that's not what this is referring to. It's actually referring to a person who owes a due, that, that, that owes a due because of their sin. They, 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 they have a penalty that they have to pay for because of the sins that they've committed. And so the purpose of this offering was to make restitution or a payment for sin. And it would oftentimes include a specific monetary value that would be attached to the offering. And here's what I want us to grasp today. In the Old Testament, the Israelites had to offer all types of sacrifices. They had to offer bulls and rams and even different types of bread so their, their sins could be forgiven. So they could have peace with God and peace with others. It's one of the ways they worshiped God. But God looked down and he saw that the Old Testament sacrifices were not good enough to cover the sins of humanity for, for once and for all. He, he looked down and he said, man, these sacrifices, they are not able to just forgive people's sins. And so every time what they had to do is continue to offer bulls and continue to offer rams. And God said, no, I'm going to put an end to this. And God said, I'm going to send my son, my only son, Jesus Christ, the lamb of God into the world. And he's going to pay the sacrifice for their sins once and for all. And Hebrews talks about this in the book of Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse 12. It says this, but our high priest offered, talking about Jesus, no longer do we need a high priest to go into the tabernacle to, to sacrifice for you and I, bulls and rams. He says, no, the high priest, Jesus himself offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. When Jesus came to earth, died and rose again, he changed everything. 
everything. He became the sacrifice so that all of our sins could be forgiven once and for all. Don't you thank God for Jesus that we don't have to sacrifice a bull or a ram over and over again and a lamb to have our sins forgiven. Jesus paid the price once and for all. He took care of our sin debt. And all we have to do now, all we have to do is place our faith and our trust in Jesus and make him our Lord and our Savior and our sins are forgiven and we're made right with God. And now what God desires, what God desires on the altar, when you become a Christian, he no longer wants you to sacrifice a bull or a ram or a goat. Now God wants you and me to be the sacrifice. Now God wants us to be the sacrifice. Here's how Romans describes this in Romans 12 and verse 1. And I'm going to spend the remainder of our time together unpacking this verse. Romans 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. In other words, God didn't give us what we deserved. Mercy. Jesus paid the price for our sins so that everything we've done wrong could be forgiven. And in view of this, he says, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You see, people's church, God wants you and me to be the sacrifice. No more animals. You and me. What in the world? You're thinking, Pastor, what in the world does God mean that he wants us to be the sacrifice. Are you saying that God wants us to get an oversized grill and to put some wood on it and to fire it up and for you and I to get on it? Are you saying that God wants us to light a big old campfire and to put our arm in it? Is that what the Bible's talking about? What does the Bible mean? He wants you and I to be the sacrifice like the goat or the lamb was the sacrifice. Well, I want to spend a few moments explaining this to you because it's so important in your relationship and your walk with God. God wants our bodies to be the sacrifice. And here's how the first thought is this. He wants you and I to be a living sacrifice, living sacrifice. Notice back in Romans 12 and verse one, he says, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice sacrifice. What this verse is saying is we need to get our entire life on the altar, on the grill right now. We need to surrender all of us to God right now while we're alive. God wants a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice. Friends, God wants your entire life surrendered to him right now, a living sacrifice. And God doesn't want some of you. He wants all of you. And us humans have a tendency to only give God some of our lives. We have a tendency to say, well, God, I'll give you my job, but not my family. I'll give you my friendships, but not my finances. I'll give you my home, but not my bad habits. I, 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 I'll just give you some of me. And God says, no, 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 no. Let me tell you, because Jesus paid the price. I don't want a bull. I don't want a ram, but I don't even just want some of you because I paid the price. I want all of you a living sacrifice. That is what God is wanting for me and you to surrender our lives to him while we're alive. 
That's one of the reasons I love baptism. And we had, I don't know, 150 or so people signed up to be water baptized today. And I love water baptism because it's such a great picture of a life being surrendered fully to God. And so we baptize people, we put them underneath the water, and it's a sign of just showing that our sins have been forgiven. And coming out of the water saying, my entire life is being lived for for now for Jesus Christ. And that's one of the reasons we believe in baptism by immersion. Number one is because it's in the Bible. It's, it, it shows in the Bible how people were immersed in water. And I know some of you may have been, you know, sprinkled as a baby and thank God for those traditions and those family celebrations. But the biblical precedent for baptism is by immersion. And that really is the picture of fully surrendered to God. You, you don't want to get baptized and have your hand out the water. You don't get baptized and keep your foot out the water. You don't get baptized. I know some of you would love this. I'm going to keep my head out because I don't want to mess my hair up. No, 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 no. All of you has to go underneath the water. It's saying, God, I surrender all. All of me belongs to you. I'm getting on the altar. I belong to you. I'm not withholding anything. God wants all of you. He wants your future underneath the water. Surrender to him. He wants your marriage underneath the water. Your dating relationship underneath the water. Your children underneath the water. Your finances underneath the water. Your career underneath the water. God God says, I want a living sacrifice, all of you, not some of you. And today, can I encourage you? If you've never been water baptized, would you get baptized today? Would you take this step of faith and become a living sacrifice? You say, Pastor, I came to church today. I'm not prepared to be water baptized. We're ready for you. We're ready for you to take that step of faith. Following the service, if you'll drop out in the lobby, there's a baptism baptism table in the lobby. We have shorts for you. We have a shirt for you. We have a towel for you. We'll even have a hairnet for you. Come on, somebody. I'm saying today be a living sacrifice. God wants all of you, not some of you. Number two is this. Number two is this. How do we offer our bodies to God as a sacrifice? Number two, God wants a holy sacrifice. A holy sacrifice, notice in Romans 12 verse 1, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, holy. That word holy simply means to be set apart. We're supposed to be set apart from the world so that we can become more and more like Jesus Christ, holy, set apart. When I was growing up in Wewoka, Oklahoma, and in our home that I, I remember being in, the majority of my life, it's the only home that I can recall as a kid. And we had a pretty decent sized living room for a small home. And in our living room, I can remember walking into the living room and on the left side of the living room, we had so, a couch or two and a chair or so. And then we have a television and we would gather there and watch television, hang out as a family. And then in the middle of the living room, right behind one of the couches was a, a long table that kind of divided the living room. And on the other side of the living room were two brown couches. We were not allowed to sit on those brown couches. I don't know why we had those brown couches. They were set apart, do not sit on them. And if we did, we got a whooping. I'm like, what are these couches for? I guess they're for company when they come over. But when the company would come over, they were scared to sit on them brown couches. I don't know why we had them brown couches, but we did. And I was an honorary kid, so sometimes when nobody was looking, nobody was around, I would just go lay on the brown couch just to say, Mama, I did it. You don't even know it. 
These couches were set apart. And that's what God wants. God wants your life set apart. God wants your life to be holy and set apart. But God doesn't want you to be set apart so that you just sit in a room and not being, be used. No, God wants you set apart to be used. He wants to sit on you. He wants to use your life for his honor and for his glory. He wants to flow through your life to be light and salt in a dark world. He wants you set apart because if you're not set apart, then you look just like the world. You talk just like the world. You act just like the world. And it's hard to influence something that you look just like. And so God says, what I want is I don't want you to blend in. I want you to be set apart. God does not want you to blend in if you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian. He wants you to be different from the world. And so in verse number two, verse one, he says, I want you to be a living sacrifice, holy. And then in verse two, he describes for us what holy looks like. Verse two, Romans 12, verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't conform, he says. Don't act like the world. Be set apart. Be, be set apart. Be holy. And the world is always pulling on you and me to be like it. You have some family members and friends that are pulling on you to conform to the pattern of this world. And God says, let me tell you the kind of sacrifice I want. Let me tell you what I want you to do with your body. I want a living sacrifice, and I want it to be holy. I want you to be set apart. I want you to be fully committed to me. I want to flow through your life and use your life, but I use lives in a powerful way that are set apart to me. Number three is this. Number three is this. Pastor, what does it look like? What does God mean? He wants us to be the sacrifice. Number three, a pleasing to God sacrifice. A pleasing to God sacrifice. Notice this in Romans 12 verse 1. In view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. A surrendered, set-apart life is focused on pleasing God. I want to ask you a question, and I really want you to think about it. And would you be honest with yourself as you think about this question? Are you living your life to please God or to please yourself? Are you living your life to please God or to please yourself? And as a Christ follower, we're called to please God, not ourselves. We're called to live for God and not for ourselves. It's all about Jesus. Would you say that with me right now? Would you say that it's all about Jesus? Now I want you to say it like you really mean it. Would you say it's all about Jesus? It really is, church. It really is. It's all about Jesus. And, and Paul describes this for us two chapters later in Romans 14 and verse 7. He says, for none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Paul says we belong to God. We live to please God. We live to honor God. We live to serve God. But before we gave our life to Christ, we lived for ourselves. Before we gave our life to Jesus, it was all about us. What made us happy, what we wanted, what made us feel good, our own desires, our own wishes. It was all about us. And you know what happened to us? We ended up in a mess. Because every time we live for ourselves, we always end up 
in a mess. I know I was in a mess. And then we give our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. And some of you have done that. And I realize some of you have not done that. But I want you to know, I'm so glad you're at People's Church. You're so welcome here. I'm so glad you're here checking out the claims of Christ. But some of you have made that decision to, to follow Jesus. And you know what happens? Even after we make that decision, we all have seasons in our life where we still just live for ourselves. We're a Christian. We love God, but there's seasons where we just live for ourselves. And you know what happens? It just never works out. Whenever you and I, I, I can tell you, my, it's my own testimony. Whenever Herbert Cooper has tried to live for himself, it has never worked out. Every time we live for ourselves, let me tell you what happens. We find ourselves with unforgiveness in our heart and bitterness in our heart, drifting away from God. We can find ourselves lying and full of pride and full of lust and full of envy and full of just hatred. Or, or we can find ourselves full of anger and hostility and lashing out at people. It just never works out when we live for ourselves. Whenever we live for ourselves, our lives always become cray-cray. Pastor, I don't know what that is. Google it. Google it. It never works out when we live for ourselves. And it's like God says, let me tell you what, let me tell you what I want. I don't want a bull. I don't want a goat. I want you to be a living sacrifice. All of you. I want you to be holy, set apart. I want you to be pleasing to God. I want you to live to please me and not you. And number four is this. Number four is this. And that's true worship. True Worship. Notice this in Romans 12 and verse 1. In view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, now when we hear the word worship, many people think about a church service. Because every single Sunday we have worship services. We sing songs unto God. And we worship God together. And if you've been a Christian for Sometimes, you know, as Christians, we even have worship moves. When people worship God in a service, some people are rockers. They rock back and forth in God's presence. Some people are bouncers. Where are my bouncers at? They bounce for the Lord. They worship and bounce. And then you have wavers for Jesus. They wave and worship God and wave. And, and then you have what one comedian called, my fish is this big. They worship God. I'm not going to raise my hands all the way. My fish is this big. And they get a little bit more bold. Now, my fish is this big. But they're not going all the way up. No. And then, and then one of the worship moves is hold the box. You got people that hold the box. And, and then God's favorite is touchdown. That's how I worship. I'm a touchdown kind of man. And, and our worship services are important. We need to worship God. We need to have our worship moves. But this is not the sacrifice of true worship that Romans 12 is talking about. True worship is when we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. 
That's true worship. Not just a raised hand on Sunday, but a life lived for God on Monday. Not just a shout of amen on Sunday, but a life that worships God on Friday. That's true worship. A living sacrifice. Your entire life on the altar, on the grill. God, you have my whole life. That's worship. Here's the question that we all have to answer today. And the question is this, will you offer your body to God? Not some, but will you offer all of your body to God? And Paul says in Romans 12 and one, verse one, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters, sisters in view of God's mercy to offer, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Paul says this is urgent, it's an urgent request. He says, this is not a game. I'm not playing around. He says, I urge you. I plead with you. I beg you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I urge you to be true worshipers. I urge you to make the choice today. It's your choice to offer. Offer is a choice to offer your bodies. Will you offer your body to God? Your dad or mom can offer your body to God for you. Your spouse can't offer your body to God for you. Your coworker, your neighbor, your family members can't offer your body to God for you. It's, the, it's your choice. Will you say today, God, I offer, I get on the altar and offer my body as a living sacrifice, holy, set apart, and pleasing to you. Which all of God, all of you, I'm saying, would you give God your relationships? God, I offer it to you, everything that I have. Some of you are withholding some things. Would you offer it to God today? God, I give you my finances. I offer them to you. God, I give you my career. I offer it to you. I give you my decisions. I offer it to you. I've been worried about my children. I offer it to you. Would you offer everything that you are, your habits, your hangups, your issues, would you offer it to God? It's your reasonable act of worship. It's true worship. And I can think of no better way than today as we wrap up this service than many of you that early in the service made the decision to get water baptized. Today, would you offer your body to God? And I know today what some of you are thinking, Pastor, I know I need to get water baptized, but it was raining outside earlier. Am I going to get rained on? Well, are you going to get wet anyways? Offer your body to God. You say, well, pastor, I'm planning on out, go outside after service. I'm planning on getting some food from one of the food trucks and eating, and I really don't want to mess up my hair while I'm out there eating. Let me tell you something. It really has never been about you. It's really about him. It's, it's, really, it really, it's, it's, really, it's really never been about you. Never been about me. About our hair, or our look. It's about offering our body. Would you offer sacrifice. No excuses. God, I'm all yours. I surrender all to you.